Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I am here today to tell you that I have really missed you. But you know, it's springtime here in Arizona, so that means there's a lot of things that need to be done when you own one of these raggedy-ass houses. And that's what I have been doing the last few days, trying to upkeep this house. But I guarantee you, I thought about you and thought about being in front of this mic every day. And I also put a lot of thought into myself. And I realized that the older you get, the more quiet you become. You see, life has a way of humbling you so deeply as you age. You realize how much bullshit you've wasted your precious time on. Time something that you can never get back. But I hope you are well. I hope you spent this time to go through our library and catch up on a few things, seeing how this is Black History Month. We got a lot of history in that library that will astound you. And I can guarantee you, when you realize just what you are worth, you will stop giving people discounts. And today will be a great day for you. So let's slip into the darkness and I wanna tell you the story of the Potato King, a prime example of just what our people have done for us. Junis George Groves was an African-American farmer and entrepreneur, and he was remembered as one of the wealthiest black Americans of the 19th and early 20th century. Now, Junis was born a slave, naturally, on April 12, 1859, to Martin and Mary Anderson Groves in Greene County, Kentucky but he could only attend school for a few months each year as a child, but developed a lifelong thirst for learning. President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation on January 1, 1863, made him and his parents free for a few years later. And he took off for Kansas as an exoduster in 1879, with 90 cents in his pocket. When he was 19, he first worked at a meatpacking house in Kansas and later moved to Edwardsville, Kansas, where he engaged in sharecropping. Groves started the potato farming business when he sharecropped nine acres of land with farmer Jake Williamson's. And on that farm, Groves planted both sweet and Irish potatoes. Williamson initially paid Groves 40 cents a day, but after three months, he was making 75 cents a day. Soon, Groves received one-third of the crops farmed on Williamson's nine acres. In the first year of sharecropping, Groves made $125, which he then used to buy land of his own, a milk cow, and other investments toward 
his next crop. In 1880, he married Matilda Stewart from Kansas City, Missouri, and she worked by his side in the field. The couple would eventually have 14 kids, 12 of which survived. After his second year, Groves had 20 acres, and in his third year, he brought 10 more acres and a cabin across from Lake of the Forest. The same year, he brought 80 acres from a Native American for $500. And subsequently, acquisitions included a sawmill and a five joining farms, making his total holdings more than 760 acres. Now, potatoes wasn't his only thing. He had apple, peach, and pear orchards and a vineyard. And his children worked along with Junus and Matilda on the farm and the holdings. Now, now, as success started rolling into his life, he founded the Pleasant Hill Baptist Church Society in 1886 and was elected secretary of the Caw Valley Potato Association in 1890. Now, check this out. In 1895, the Kansas State Agriculture Census recorded Groves as owning 400 acres of potatoes, 170 acres of apple trees, 160 acres of corn, and 50 acres of cherry trees. He also owned 21 cows, 9 horses, and 24 hogs. Brother Man was coming up. Because, besides producing potatoes on his farms, by 1900, Groves was buying and shipping potatoes, fruits, and vegetables, including corn, cabbage, and carrots, extensively throughout the United States, Mexico, and Canada. The family also owned the Crossroads Grocery Store in Edwardsville, invested in mines in Indian Territory, which is Oklahoma, and Mexico, and stock in Kansas banks, and held a majority interest in the Kansas City Casket and Embalming Company. Junius Groves co-founded the State Negro Business League and later served as its president. In the early 1900s, he founded the community of Groves Center near Edwardsville selling small tracts of land to African-American families. And on top of all that, he had time to build a golf course for African-Americans, possibly the first in the United States. His name is on the original deed of the historic Edwardsville Colored Cemetery, which some in the city refer to as Stony Point Cemetery. He was one of the founders of the Franklin Cemetery, where he and many of his family are buried. In 1902, Groves was named by the U.S. Department of Agriculture as the Potato King of the World for beating his closest competition on the planet by 11,500 bushels. His optimized potato growth led to the producing 721,500 bushels of the crop in a single year. His vast financial success 
analyzed in Booker T. Washington's The Negro in Business in 1907, was utilized to help combat racism by providing economic opportunities for other black Americans. Washington had high praise for him, describing Groves as our most successful Negro farmer. And what people didn't realize is that much of Groves' success was due to his 46 years of devotion to the science of agriculture, which made him one of the wealthiest African Americans in the nation by the first decade of the 20th century. His holdings were estimated to be worth $80,000 in 1904, and by 1905, his holdings included more than 500 acres. By 1915, his holdings were estimated to be worth 300000 At the height of his success, he had constructed a 22-room mansion equipped with the latest comforts of the era for $22,000. The 22-room brick home had electric lights, two telephones, and hot and cold running water in all the bedrooms. The sprawling home was constructed of red brick trimmed in white stone with a roof of red tile and featured oak doors. It was the largest in the area. Due to his shipping quantity, the Union Pacific Railroad built a spur to his property. Now, my friends, here's something for you to realize. At that time, he was the wealthier than most whites and undoubtedly encountered racism. His response, however, was to provide economic opportunities for blacks and whites, and he employed up to 50 mostly black laborers during the busy farming season. He was vice president of the Sunflower State Agriculture Association in 1910. Groves suffered a financial setback in the 1920s including a loss of around $90,000 in a cattle venture. Groves built three more mansions, all burning down mysteriously, the last in 1968. There is no mystery in the burning down of these mansions. Call an ace an ace. Whiteness destroyed those properties, and you and I both know that to be true. A black man owning that much and being that wealthy in that time? One in a million. Junus Groves died of a heart attack at the age of 66 in Edwardsville on August the 17th, 1925. One local newspaper reported his funeral as the largest ever in Edwardsville, with over 3,000 people attending and he was buried in Franklin Cemetery. His wife survived him, dying on August the 28th, 1930, at the age of 66. In 2007, Groves was honored by his descendants, the Volto Colonial Museum, an organization honoring the Exodusters and their descendants and the city of Edwardsville. 
He was also inducted into the Bruce Watkins Culture Heritage Center Hall of Fame in nearby Kansas City, Missouri. So there you have it, my friends. Junus George Groves, the potato king of the world. A black man who started with 90 cents and found his way into the Hall of Fame of richness. This man was determined to leave a legacy for his descendants, and he did. So rest in peace, my brother, because your story has been told, and it will last as long as black people are on this planet. What a great inspirational life you have led, and I wish our younger generation could have learned of you in their youth because you are a prime example of what determination can do in the face of racial atrocities. My friends, that music tells me that it is time for me to go, but naturally I have a message for you. When whiteness say they are the superior people, when Indians say they are the native people, and Jews say they are the chosen people. You say, I don't care what you call yourself. I am the original people. And a substitute can never be better than the original. Until next time, have a great day, my friends, because it has been my honor to talk to you once again. Peace to my ancestors and my elders. I walk in your strength, legacy, and power today and every day. <laughs>